you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back, rock stars. It's Roger once again, and thanks for tuning in. You know, these are crazy times, so we've never seen this kind of devastation before to our industry. But don't panic. It's all about the future, not about the present. You know, so many restaurants have already closed or they're thinking about closing. But before you do, arm yourself with as much information as you can. So in this episode, I'm really excited to bring you Ms. Ashley Michike, and she is the CEO of a company called True North Retirement Advisors. And Ashley's going to tell us all about during this pandemic, how we can plan and grow the future of our business. We'll also be talking about why now might be the best time to transfer ownership of a family business to the next generation. We'll talk about employee ownership plans. We're also going to talk about how you can protect your business, your employees, your investors, and even other owners if one of the owners either dies or becomes disabled. This episode has so much relevance to the times. Now that our restaurants are idle or we might have more time than ever because of limited hours, you got to think about the future, not just about today. What's around the next corner? This episode has it all. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences, but more importantly, during COVID-19, really planning for the future. So I'm super excited. Today's guest is Ms. Ashley Michike, and she is the CEO of a company called True North Retirement Advisors. Now, we're going to speak We're going to speak all about today how restaurants can protect and grow their business and plan for the future, grow the value of that company, and what to do in the future long after this COVID thing is is over. But really, it's about planning today for the future, right, Ashley? Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Roger. I'm really excited. Well, I'm glad to have you here because you have so much expertise in this subject matter. But, you know, I usually ask my guests when we start off if they have any restaurant industry experiences. Did you ever work in a restaurant when you were younger? That sort of thing? Um, for my only experience, well, yes, I, I have a couple. I uh, worked at a Quiznos for two weeks just after high school. And uh, that did not last very long. <laughs> and then I worked at a summer camp when I was in college. I was the assistant cook. And uh, so very limited experience. But I actually really love cooking. Um, my mom did most of the cooking in our house growing up. But she wasn't a, a very, I wouldn't, I hope she's not listening because she's not a very good cook. Like her idea of cooking is is reheating something from the freezer. So I didn't learn a whole lot about cooking growing up. But I really enjoyed kind of learning and watching a lot of cooking shows in college and kind of uh, learning now. But uh, so I actually love cooking now. I just, uh, I don't know what I'm doing very much in the kitchen. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's really not what it's about. It's, it's about enjoyment and preparing something that you like to eat. And perhaps, you know, your friends, your family, your partner, whoever, it's like you cook for these people and it brings people together, you know, and that's really what this industry is all about. And that is, you know, the true definition of hospitality, offering great experiences to others that bring people collectively together, yeah. uh, especially during a pandemic when we're all just trying to do our best and stay safe and keep our, you know, our 
customers safe and all that sort of thing. But the topic of this episode, again, is all about planning for the future. So Ashley, why is now really a good time to start thinking about planning, you know, not just surviving, you know, running your business now, but the future. It's so important. No one knows when this thing's going to end, but it will end. And, you know, the strongest will survive. We have to be resourceful. Mm -hmm. We're a passionate industry, of course. We have to be creative. And so many operators right now are really pivoting, but there's idle time. You know, limited hours, limited operations. We're just trying to get back. But now is probably, you know, a time that we can find to start working. But what would you suggest? What's your best advice to operators? And then we'll get into the discussion. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Roger, because um, you can have sort of two responses to a pandemic. You can kind of close in on yourself and think that the world is coming to an end and how am I ever going to dig myself out of this? Or you can do what I've actually seen a lot of restaurants do, which is, as you just said, pivot and say, okay, how can we still stay open or stay in business or kind of change what we're doing um, in order to still serve our customers and bring revenue? in the door. Um, and I've seen so much, especially in food service, I've seen so much creativity um, from, you know, I went and picked up a, a food box that had like, it was just a big box of the, of a pre-packaged, pre-prepared meal that I just had to reheat in the oven. And I just went in and picked it up and got it. And I thought that was so creative that they thought to do that because at the time we were still in the stay-at-home shutdown mode and none of the restaurants were open, but I could still um, go and pick up this box of delicious food that I could reheat and have for my family. So yes, I think that the, the, the mindset of, uh, the restaurant owner who is looking for opportunity and, and keeping their eyes open for that, they're going to do much better than the restaurant owner who, you know, wants to hide under, their desk in a back room and and just wait for this to to you know pass because as you said we could be I mean we could be well into 2021 or even beyond before things really get back to you know quote unquote normal so um, yeah so as it relates to you know uh, business and growing your business definitely just keeping eyes open to opportunities. And we can talk about that a little bit later on. But I think one of the things that probably my best advice for all business owners right now is, um, if, especially if you do have some idle time where you're not as busy as you once were, is to really look seriously at how you can protect your business if you were to get sick, if you were to you know get coronavirus, if you were to die. You know, I've watched quite a few businesses over the years where the owner um, was sick or unable to work and it completely wrecked the business. And what's unique about COVID is that Th this whole mortality and death, I mean, it's top of mind right now and for better or worse, but it does kind of help motivate, I think, a lot of business owners to think, gosh, what would happen to my business if something happened to me? And so there are lots of things that business owners can do to to help protect um, the value of their business or prevent the doors from closing altogether if something were to happen to them. But it just requires some pre-planning in, in advance. And so that's one of the key things that I've been talking to business owners about lately, uh, about especially just protecting and preserving what you have um, 
dur- during a pandemic or any other time. You know, it's so appropriate that you say that because so many different businesses, so many different restaurants are in different positions. You know, some are throwing, thinking about throwing in the towel just because they have a lease that's coming up and they're thinking, you know what, I'm just not going to renew this because I just can't see my way past what's going on. But thankfully, there have been so many different government programs that have allowed restaurants to stay open, to pay their staffs. You know, there's been economic injury disaster loans that restaurants have qualified for and you know, you got to be resourceful. You got to reach out for all these things. And obviously that's step one, putting your position um, as, as long as you, you think you still have a viable business and not giving up, you know, digging deep. And then we talked about planning for the unexpected. Besides the owner dying, getting sick, or, you know, that sort of thing, what other things do we want to plan for? Um, yeah, so like one of the things that business owners can do uh, to protect the value of their business is just make sure that whoever it, whoever you have operationally in place, are they trained? Can they step in? You know, a lot of restaurant owners, they don't even take vacations. <laughs> you know, oh, they're know. there so running. True. Yeah, and so that that's dangerous for the long-term viability of the business. So you have to be able to uh, separate yourself and give a long enough leash to your staff so that they can run things in your absence. And you can do that slowly. Um, but just writing, writing things down and documenting the important thing, like, um, you know, where, who are your, who's your CPA, who's your, uh, advisor, who's your attorney. So that if something does happen to you, a lot of times, especially if you're married and the spouse is not involved in the business, they have no idea Correct. Mm-hmm. where the bank accounts are, you know, uh, where, who, who's going to run payroll even if they're, if something happens to you. So these are all just documenting the very high level important things and then sharing it with those you trust, whether that be your spouse. It could be a trusted advisor like your tax advisor or your attorney and basically handing them this document and saying, hey, if something happens to me, I want you to have this um, so that my staff knows what to do. Or like, you know, if it, it could be as simple as how do you want your employees to be notified if something happens to you, if you become sick, um, if, if you die? Do you want everyone to just receive a text message and say, hey, Roger, you know, or Joe, you know, he's got COVID, he's out, you know, that that's, that's probably not what you want to do, or maybe it is, and that's fine. And then if you have customers, especially if you have a restaurant where the owner's personality and who the owner is, is very much wrapped up in the identity of the restaurant, you know, how would you inform customers if something happened to you? So all of these key decisions that uh, most business owners and most restaurant owners have at the, uh, they know what the answers are, but they've never taken the time to just write it down. So it doesn't have to be a complicated or involved process. It's just what, where, where are all of the bank accounts? Who runs payroll? Who would I, who do I want to step up and run the business in my absence? And then you can give some clarity and peace of mind to your family and then also your employees and prevent them from just running for the exit and making it even worse for your restaurant should something happen to you. I love what you just said because it speaks volumes of, of the way restaurant owners should just chip away at the important documentation because of the unexpected happening. And now we're talking about putting necessary systems in place so that the viability of the business can go on, that there is always a plan B. 
And, you know, when I ran restaurants, we always backfilled and we trained a backup for all the key positions in the restaurant so that people were cross-trained and they could do multiple jobs and all that sort of thing. Everything was documented, like you said, you know, who the payroll company is and who the, you know, who's your contact at the equipment repair place and who, you know, who's the snow plowing person. Like there were lists and literally old school as it needs to be. It can just be a three ring binder with everything important about how that business runs and all the knowledge that we have as owner operators in our head. If you could just transfer that as long as it's non-sensitive information and clearly sharing with maybe your CPA or your legal advisor or attorney, all the sensitive things like bank account information and all that, but definitely allow that to, you know, have access to a spouse or a business partner or that sort of thing. I think this is all makes perfect sense. And I guess we can't emphasize enough that it does take time. It's not complicated, but there's so many details to running a restaurant. And literally, you know, you can spend 15 minutes a day just jotting stuff down and then compile this over time before the unexpected happens. I think that's really sound advice. Yeah, yeah. And we have a document, kind of like a template document that we Mm. use to guide our clients through this so they don't forget things. And so um, because most of it's in your head, you can do it in a in like an hour or two, just sitting down and focusing on that. So, um, yeah. So if any of your listeners want the template, I'm happy to uh, share it with them. Um, they just would need to email me and you can email me at Ashley M at true North And I can send you the template document and you can use that to work from, but, um, you know, it's as simple as like, Uh, If you have insurance, where are those insurance policies kept? You know, if you have a business partner and a buy-sell agreement, you know, where is that kept so that someone, whoever kind of receives that binder uh, can just go through it and implement all of these things right away, especially if it's a, usually it's going to be a family member who's stepping in, um, in that kind of crisis period um, and say, okay, well, you know, Joe is Roger's business partner and they have a buy-sell agreement and it's in the safe deposit box and I'm going to go read through it um, and and look at it and see what needs to happen in the case because usually they will address, you know, what happens if someone dies or becomes incapacitated. Um, But just where those copies of those important documents can be found and hopefully they're not spread all over uh, or, you know, uh, in, in somewhere that's that's not secure. But then also like instructing um, the your spouse about what do you want to have happen to the business if something happens to you and you can no longer run it? Do you want to try to sell it to another employee? Do you want to um, sell it to, you know, are there other restaurant owners maybe who have approached you in the past, like just listing kind of potential interested buyers? Again, so if you're married, you your spouse knows, oh, so-and-so down the street has talked to, you know, my husband or my wife several times about wanting to buy this business. I'm going to go to them first. And so a lot of times you can really kind of bridge that gap between this crisis um, that might happen if if something happened to the owner. So I think just to kind of summarize, you know, with COVID, one of the beauties of this time is, uh, or bright spots uh, in this difficult time is that- There are bright spots. They're definitely- Yeah. (laughs) It makes, you know- it forces all of us to think about, I'm, everybody I'm sure has thought about what would happen to my business if something happened to me or, you know, what would happen to my family or, you know, it's because it's a scary time, but um, that's kind of like the little 
you know, stick in the side that says, okay, motivate me to actually do something about it. Because when times are good, when things are going well, and you're super busy working in your business, this is one of those important but not urgent items. Um, And so it just gets put off. But now is a great time Mm. uh, to just stop putting it off and make sure that you document those most important we call basically what's called business continuity instructions if something happens to me how does the business continue who i'm providing instructions to that trusted person to implement on what should happen to the business once i die or become incapacitated well first i want to thank you for giving us the uh, you know your email address because i think it's a huge service for you to provide the template to people i'm going to put that in the show notes to the episode but you also triggered a thought because it it probably happens on occasion when you know an owner dies there's no partner to take over the spouse knows absolutely nothing about how to run that business suddenly they're in this dilemma where oh my gosh you know what do i do with this business and this is all the more reason why restaurants should join their state restaurant or hospitality association because suddenly there's a network of people with a board of directors that will literally help you through this time and network that business and just by word of mouth you could find someone that would be willing or or would want to you know, be interested in taking it over, purchasing it, leasing it from you, whatever. And mm-hmm. you may never know this resource exists if you don't join that association. And there's so many other benefits besides, but every state in the country has a, a state association and their primary, you know, mission is to help operators with their business and, you know, to lobby for um, positive legislation and against negative legislation affecting business, all these things. So I- I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Let's move on because you're also an expert at valuation. Of, of businesses. And that is a critical topic right now because a lot of business owners have absolutely no idea unless they've got a, an MBA in finance or they're a CPA or whatever, you know, how would you begin if you've never been through the process of valuing a business if you wish to sell it someday? And, and we're not necessarily talking about now, although some business owners may be desperate to get out now. It's something you need to know. But essentially, you know, how can we value, you know, value our business in 10 minutes? Yeah, so um, that's usually where I start the conversation with working with my business owner clients as we talk about what is the value of your business? Do you know the value of your business? As you mentioned, most business owners across the board, not just restaurant owners, but Mm -hmm. across the board have absolutely no clue what their business is worth. And so it really is foundational to all the other planning that you would do. Because if you if you want to grow your business, how do you know where to start with that if you don't know what it's worth right now? So um, one of the things that we do with our clients, and uh, I offer it to anybody who wants to, to do it, um, I don't charge for this, is uh, we subscribe to a, a software service that has 50 million businesses across all different industries in their database. And so if you enter some really high level data about your restaurant, so revenue, what your income is, um, accounts payable, accounts receivable, these are all basic you know, uh, bookkeeping line items that most business owners have at their fingertips. So you won't have to pour through like three years of tax returns or pay somebody $10,000 to value your business for you, you can get a very good estimate of business value just with about eight pieces of information. Um, And then, 
Yeah. And so um, revenue and pre-tax income and then knowing what your industry is, those are the three main drivers of value because every business is valued a little bit differently depending on what the industry is. Um, but if you can at least have those three metrics and then ideally you kind of fill in the rest with the other five, um, you can get within, I've, I've seen it within, you know, five to 10% of a value that you would pay someone $10,000 or more to, to do for you. So it provides an excellent starting ground. So if I know, okay, my business, my restaurant as it is today is worth half a million dollars or is worth a hundred thousand, whatever it is. And you can see, also see how, well, if I just grow my revenue by 10%, how does that impact value? Um, and then you can start making some decisions about, you know, we do exit planning with our business owner clients. So it's mainly focused on kind of the tail end of the last five to 10 years where a business owner is really thinking seriously about selling their business or transferring it to another employee or a group of employees or passing it out. A lot of restaurants are family businesses. So there's some unique considerations with family businesses. Um, but for many business owners, a lot of their net worth is tied up in their business, in their restaurant. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so we have to take the value seriously and we have to have an understanding of what the value is so that you can plan. Could you? Can you actually afford to retire in three to five years if that's what you want to do? Um, and what do you need to get from the business in terms of a, a payout or selling it? What do you need to get in order to be able to retire? And it, does the current value of the business reflect that or do we need to grow the value in order to kind of plug that gap? So just understanding what the business is worth is just foundational to all the planning that comes after to try to grow the value or to look seriously at a potential buyer or transferring it to a family member. These are two details that I want to get into in, in more you know, depth in just a moment, but you're triggering more thoughts about more systems because a business obviously is valued much greater if it's a turnkey operation with a steady you know, staff, an existing clientele of loyal repeat business. That's called goodwill, of course. But I mean, if you've got your systems, Dodd, there's so many restaurants out there that, that I'm aware of, that I speak to, that I consult with. They don't take regular inventory. They don't know what their true food, beverage, and labor costs are. These are all simple systems. So they don't know, you know, they might be busy restaurants, but they wonder why the bank account's not growing. If you really dial in these systems, it just increases the value of a business to a potential buyer. If you can show them this information, that all these things, not just the documentation we talked about before, but are you controlling your costs? Are you in what I call your sweet spot? You know, do you have a steady labor force? Are they happy? Is the morale strong? Like all these things just add to a business's value. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, you have something to add to that? Go ahead. Well, and I, I think the biggest problem for most business owners, but maybe especially in restaurants, is that if the business relies on you or revolves mm -hmm. around you, right. it's very, it is very detrimental to the value. So a good litmus test is, is you should be able to go on vacation and you know, not worry that you're going to come back to the place being burned down or something. You know what I mean? Yes. And so, no question. Um, Empowerment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, having the right employees, having good employees, um, having people in place management that you trust, um, 
it, that needs to happen, especially if you want to sell your business, um, because it's very detrimental to value if if the business is basically you. If the business, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's that's a pervasive problem among all business owners. And you know, if it's like I'm this way too. If you want something done right, you do it yourself. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, it's hard too. it's, it's not an easy solution. We, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a business owner myself, so I understand this and it's very hard to find people who are loyal, who will do work or do things in a way that, you know, you want them to be done. And so sometimes it's just easier in the moment to say, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this, 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 because I know it'll get done and it'll get done right. right. And and I'm the, I'm the one who cares the most because this is my restaurant. This is my baby. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't instill that same kind of mindset in someone who's a non-owner. Um, but you can get to a place where when you have other people who are who are well suited in their function and loyal um, and, you know, have been around for a while, you know, you can get to a spot where maybe it's not as good as what you would have done it, but it's, it's really good. And the, and more importantly, the business operates with you sort of at arm's length and not in the weeds of the day to day. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, there's so many business owners in any industry that are so tied to their companies that, you know, they're missing their kids grow up and they just feel like they have to be there, but they've never really delegated or taken a risk on delegating to key people. And every business, you know, it doesn't matter what industry, everyone has what I call the A player. At least there's one. And you always know those people because one, they're reliable. They have great personalities. They seem to have a true desire to serve the public and to work in that business. They've been there a long time. Perhaps they know as much as an owner does. We've just never taken the time to develop them to take on the next role and to assume more responsibility and to take a leadership role. And that's, you know, that's my favorite word, empowerment. And if you empower, you know, people, pretty soon you're building a culture that's based on hospitality. It's based on guest service, but it's also taking care of the thousands of details and what really makes this work is just recognition, simple recognition and rewards to your key people. And then that builds that culture where other people sort of absorb that, that feeling, that approach to the working and, you know, either fit in a company or you don't. And you can quickly weed out those C players if they don't assimilate to training. And I believe there's nothing more important than training people every single week. You know, no matter how much time you spend, nothing is more important than developing because these are the people that represent your business and because you're not, as the owner, interacting with every single customer, every single transaction, every time. You're relying on your people to either make positive or negative impressions. So I think that's why it, it's so important to you know, develop them you know, show them what you expect and and have high standards and, you know, weed out the C players because they're not doing your business any favors. Can we um, actually move into some of those key details you were talking about? Let's talk about transferring a family business to the next Mm. generation and and the ins and outs of that. And it sounds like a daunting thing, but again, like anything, you chip away at it over time and you put the pieces in place and then suddenly your business is in a better position and your family feels more comfortable as well. 
Yes. So uh, I think that there's a couple of trends happening right now that are very timely and, and make it a, a very important time for family-run businesses to look seriously at what they can do to transfer to the next uh, generation. So it's, it's the perfect storm of two things. First of all, going back to value, most businesses across the board, unless you're making hand sanitizer and you've pivoted into that, like chances are the value of your business is lower than what it was, you know, last mm -hmm. year. Oh, sure. Or, Absolutely. So you have, first of all, you have lower valuation. So for a family business, that's usually what you want because there's tax implications when you transfer uh, businesses to, you know, somebody else. Um, but in a family business, what you can do is you can gift part or all of that value. And because of the tax, because of A, the lower valuation, there's there's less. So if your business was worth, you know, half a million six months ago, and it's worth, you know, maybe 300,000 today. So you have the lower valuation, less, uh, less will be counted towards your taxes when you transfer that. But then the other thing is to right now, for estate and gift taxes, there has literally never been a better time to gift assets, whether that be a restaurant or real estate property, investable assets. There has never been a better time in history to give money to the next generation because if you are single, you're not married, over your lifetime right now, you can gift over $11 million of your estate to the next generation. So even if you have a really large, you know, multiple location, family restaurant business, it's, it's worth many, many millions of dollars. You can actually transfer that in a family business to the next generation tax-free um, because that lifetime gift exemption is so high. That's what it's called. It's a lifetime gift exemption. Um, if you're married, it's double that. So you're looking at uh, in the ballpark of $23 million that you can gift without paying a single penny of taxes. That's on amazing. That. Okay. Who would know? That's great to hear <laughs> this advice. Keep going. This is great. So, but the, but there's a, there's a ticking, there's a clock on this. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, so if I go back and I'm just looking at my uh, notes here. So if you go back to 2007, the lifetime gift exemption, it was still pretty high, but it was only 1 million and it's gradually gone up. And, uh, in 2018, it doubled. It went from about 5 million to 11 million per person. And then it, of course, if you're married, it's twice that. So, um, very, very, and, and the same thing is true if you, if you die, you know, say in 2020 and you, you pass along uh, a large inheritance, federal taxes will not be assessed on that until you get up into the many, 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 many millions. Mm. So, however, we are in an election year. Yes. And uh, I'm not being political, but this mm. is factually true. Yeah. Biden is one, if he gets elected, he's likely going to 
to close the gap on this high exemption. So um, for a lot of my clients who have family-run businesses who are, who are wanting to transfer to the next generation, we're looking seriously at accelerating that in 2020 because if you transfer that business or, you know, you don't have to transfer it necessarily all to them, but you can, you can transfer and gift a significant amount and potentially, you know, reduce your taxes. And in the future, the government, even if the rules change, they can't come back and say, oh, you can't, you know, we're going to tax you now. So they, it's called a clawback. They can't, Mm -hmm. it's written into the rules that they can't do that. So, you know, if, if, if Trump is reelected, I, I, taxes could still go up because we have this huge amount of stimulus more coming. We have a $26 trillion debt load in the United States right now, national debt. Um, And taxes are a very convenient way for the government to pay down that debt. So regardless of who's in the white house next year and over the next four Mm -hmm. years, um, I think this, this window of opportunity could possibly be closing, but especially if if Trump is not reelected and Biden becomes president, um, he has he has stated in his you know um, in his campaign and 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 what he is campaigning on that he's gonna you know close some of these tax tax uh, treatment loopholes that exist. Mm. I don't know that I necessarily call them loopholes, mm. but you know it's very very favorable to wealthy individuals and people who have high estates. And, you know, that's not very popular, especially with a, a lot of politicians and people on the left. So they're going to, the, this lifetime gift tax exemption, I think has a big target on its back. So for a family run business, the combination of lower, lower uh, valuations and low taxes, especially for gifting assets, makes 2020 a, a very prime time, probably never better than right now to to transfer assets um, to the next generation if that's if that's your plan well just under five months to take action on that but I think that was excellent advice and really you know poignant information based on you know the reality of the election and what could happen so thanks for sharing that Let's pivot because that is such a popular word right now, yeah. <laughs> you know, with people pivoting their business and changing their business models. You know, there's also the opportunity to transfer ownership to employees. And, you know, we, I think I've seen more and more of this lately. You even see it on signs of businesses, an employee-owned company. What are the ins and outs and the pros and cons of that route versus, you know, transferring ownership to a family member? How would you begin is it, you know, is it something that you should look at? I mean, what are the benefits and, and what are some of the negatives? Yeah, that's a really good question. So a lot of business owners, I think most business owners, um, if they have that next generation owner uh, in the family, that they want to keep it in the family, you know, as part yes. of the legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but sometimes you have it's it can be hard but you have to look realistically at the next generation do they even want to own the business are they capable of you know you don't want to set that next generation up um for failure so sometimes you either don't have anybody who's interested in running the business within the family or anybody who is is truly capable 
Um, but inside transfers, both family and employees, I think are, are well, first of all, they're the, the, that's how the vast majority of businesses across the board are transferred. They're not sold to an outside third party. I think as much as like two thirds or maybe even three quarters of all businesses are transferred internally, either to another employee or a family member. So one of the benefits of transferring to an employee kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, because um, uh, dangling that carrot of ownership can get an employee to start acting like an owner. Yes. And you don't have to transfer, like hand them the business overnight or sell the business in one transaction. You can gradually uh, either bonus or sell the business to uh, that next generation employee. So one of the things that I, that I see that works really well that uh, incentivizes employees to contribute and grow the value of the business and also keeps them around and keeps them loyal and grooms them for ownership is that, you know, if you set benchmarks, if, if we, and every business is different, but like, you know, if we, if you hit this ben benchmark and this benchmark and this benchmark and our revenue is X, you know, then you'll get a bonus of ownership instead of like a cash bonus. You can also bonus ownership in the company. And you don't want to do that for like every employee, but you want to do that for the people who you've identified as someone who is seriously interested in taking over this business. You can also sell, you, you know, sell a small portion to them over time. It's more affordable for them to do it that way. Cause you know, especially if your business is worth half a million dollars or more than that, you know, uh, maybe a 30 something or 40 something next generation employee owner doesn't just have that, you know, sitting around or would have a hard time uh, getting access to the a loan or something at, from the bank to be able to just buy it outright. So mm -hmm. typically internal transfers by necessity happen slowly over time, but you can use it as a incentive to help the business grow and to put things in place. Like we have uh, operations staff here and client service staff and what they're rewarded for in their bonus is different than what, you know, someone like myself in an advisory capacity would be, um, you know, rewarded for. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be revenue growth goals, but if you're talking about systems and processes and, you know, if, if we get these systems in place, you know, your bonus is going to be based on the successful execution of doing that. Um, and so you can start off with, you know, cash bonuses and see how that incentivizes people. And then as you begin to kind of pinpoint and pick out who has that sort of uh, capability of wearing the ownership hat, you know, then having some conversations with them about, you know, how they feel about ownership. Uh, is that something that they would be interested in? I think, you know, communication is very important before you go too far down the path of, uh, you know, looking seriously or actually transferring some of the ownership to that person or people. Well, this is amazing. It's been a wonderful conversation and I can't thank you enough for all the amazing, you know, insightful advice that you've provided our audience. And this is such an, an important topic. So I can't wait to share this, Ashley. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you. And I just want to real quick before I go back. So anyone who wants to value their business and wants that eight 
point checklist of the information to gather. If you go to truenorthra.com forward slash value my business, that is where you can find access to the checklist and then unlimited access to the, the tool to value your business as well. So that's available to anybody um, who wants to see what their business is worth. You know, that's very generous of you again, and I'm definitely going to share those things in the show notes, and I want the entire audience to go right to it because these are free resources that you've been kind enough to share, and they're definitely going to help you with uh, future planning of your business. So thanks again, Ashley. Um, That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. I hope this episode really gave you a plan B. Before you act hasty and make a quick decision, you really need to think about what all the options are and give yourself many opportunities. If you do decide to transfer ownership of your business, either to family and the next generation or to employees, you know, you really need systems in place. Systems will really give you, you know, a future, a more productive, more profitable business. That's really what this time is all about. You know, during idle time, plan, strategic think, and put systems in place that'll really improve your business. What are these systems? Well, just head on over to restaurantrockstars.com. We have a number of different training systems, whether that increase sales or increase profits or maximize control over your business, train your staff, really give you a bigger picture of what's happening now so that you can really put your best foot forward in the business. So thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.